Welcome back to A View from the Couch. My name is Rich. And I'm Jen. And today we are talking about another Spielbergian flick. We're be going, Kind Rewind. Be Kind Rewind. We're going back to the future. That's a terrible Christopher Lloyd impression. We have back back to... Never mind. It's... I. Whatever. Anyway, so we're talking about... <laughs> We're talking about the movie Hook from 1991. The much much maligned, critically maligned, and audience at the time maligned Hook by Steven Spielberg. So, now you, have you seen this movie before? I've seen this lots before. Okay. I have seen this several times. Now, I haven't seen it in several years, though. So when we watched it for this, I was wondering how i was going to enjoy this versus having seen it before sure Um, sure sure. so you know it was it's been a while yeah that makes sense that makes sense now i had i saw this in theaters i have seen this numerous times probably a dozen times i've seen this movie Yeah, probably me too yeah i had the soundtrack to this movie oh you did i was a big fan of johnny williams music i still am but i used to have all of his cds for all the movies that he did that were collaborations with spielberg and some other stuff but this one was in heavy rotation i love the music to this movie it is some of my favorite john williams music post star wars so all yeah. right Safe to say, I love the music at least, right? We'll see how things pan out with the movie, but there we go. Pan out. Ah, you ah. got me. That's what I wasn't. <laughs> I wasn't even trying for that, but uh, that's what I got, I guess. So why don't we know who directed it? Because this is the Steven Spielberg "Be Kind" rewind, and we know who did the music because of my fat mouth. But tell us the rest. All right, this was written by James V. Hart and Malia Scotch Marmo. However, Carrie Fisher has some uncredited rewriting she in the was, screenplay. She is a famous script doctor, was a famous script doctor for Hollywood for a long time. I did not know that till we started doing this podcast. Yeah. And then I keep seeing her name come up in different things. And I'm like, wow, yep. she was really involved with a lot of stuff that she I never, ever yep. imagined. Didn't absolutely, know about it. Absolutely prolific. I learned something from doing this podcast. (laughs) Now, James V. Hart, I know, because he wrote the adaptation for Dracula the next year, the year after this, for Francis Ford Coppola. And the reason that it sticks in my head, this guy's name, is because my friend Rich Vasquez, Vasquez, who's been on the show before, he and I used to make fun of the novelization of the 1992 film Dracula because on the cover, and I think I might be stretching it just a little bit, but only for comedic effect, it says a a novelization by James V. Hart based on the screenplay by James V. Hart and whoever else it was that was involved, probably Francis Ford Coppola, based on the novel by Bram Stoker. It, and it goes on and on and on. It was like, it's like a five line byline for this, this novelization. This which is I not thought, original content. <laughs> I thought it was hysterical. And I don't, I don't know if James B. Hart wrote the novelization, but he definitely wrote the script for, for Bram Stoker's Dracula, which, which generated the joke between Vasquez and me. And it's still a joke that I make that, the longest byline for a movie novelization is the one, it goes to James V. Hart's adaptation for Dracula. So that's how I know this name. I didn't know it before then, even though I'd seen this movie, I wasn't paying attention to stuff like that too much. All right, this movie stars Dustin Hoffman as Captain Hook. You're going to start with him? He is the top build on here because this movie is called Hook. I don't agree with this, (laughs) but... I'm not the one that made this decision. Poor Dustin Hoffman. You hear that? My <laughs> wife doesn't agree with you being first billed, Dustin Hoffman. I think you should come here and argue with her about it. Oh, yes, please. <laughs> Wait, she sounds too eager. Never mind. <laughs> we have Robin Williams as Peter Banning, Julia Roberts as Tinkerbell, Bob Hoskins as Smee, Maggie Smith as Granny Wendy, Carolyn Goodall as Moira Banning, Charlie Cosmo as Jack Banning, Amber Scott as Maggie Banning, and I'm only going to name one of the Lost Boys. We've got Dante Besco as Rufio, Rufio, Rufi. Oh, those are the main cast members. Now, I saw a thing recently that said, where are 
where is the cast of Hook now? And I didn't share this to you, but I should have. And it's interesting to see. Charlie Corsmo is a lawyer. He is. He is a dude that was, like, appointed by Obama onto some, like, board or something, like, years ago. Like, dude is, like, straight-up lawyer now, but I guess he still acts here and there. Okay. This is interesting. Dante Basco has done a lot of stuff. Dude's been in all kinds of stuff. Amber Scott is, I don't even know if she's in in this anymore, but completely unrecognizable. Now, if you look at Charlie Corsmo now versus then, you can totally see it's the same guy. Mm-hmm. Same dude. Yeah. Same dude. There's a guy named James Mario who he played one of the Lost Boys, but he has a he has a quite prolific career. He's been in a ton of stuff, mostly like not mostly, but like kind of in between TV and film, that sort of stuff. He was in like Jersey Boys, he was in like Band of Brothers, and he's been like spots on like Jag and Arliss and stuff like that. But that dude's worked a lot as compared to many of the other Lost Boys who haven't since. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yep. All righty. All right, I think we should talk about this. You want to talk about this movie? Yes. All right. Well, you're ready, I guess. Let's do it. So, we get to... Oh, that's not this one. Where the fuck is... Oh, there it is. Okay. So, Peter Banning is a Bay Area corporate lawyer who is a bit of a workaholic, let's say. This has put a strain on his relationships with his wife, Maura, and his kids, Maggie and Jack. And in the opening scene, we get to see Maggie in a school play about Peter Pan, and she's playing Wendy Darling to this other kid's Peter Pan, and they're, they're acting out the whole kiss scene where, he gives her, where she gives him the thimble. Mm-hmm. And Peter, of course, is distracted. He is talking business on his cell phone, which is the old brick cell phone, 1991. Yeah. They had that flip Motorola flip phone thing. Yeah. Holy crap. <laughs> like, I didn't realize it was that old when I got one in 1998. Get out of town. That's how old that thing is? It's like a, you could kill a man with that, that phone. That's how old, that's how big that phone was. So he makes an appointment to do like a big meeting or something like that, which is much to the chagrin of Jack because Jack reminds Peter hey, you were supposed to be at my baseball game tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And Jack says, I will be there, I promise you. But inevitably, he misses the game. And, and he says to him, my word is my bond. Right. And he says this a few times. And I'm sorry, Dad, you can't say this if you're not going to actually be there. Right. Yeah, well, I mean, when they get on the plane, they get on the plane to... Okay, so they get on a plane to go to London for a charity dinner that's going to honor Granny Wendy. And on the plane, Jack draws a picture of the plane going down in flames and like four people with parachutes on or three people with parachutes on one person without parachute. And Maggie shows it to, to Peter and says, this is mommy. This is Jack. This is me. And this is you. And he, he goes over to talk to Jack and he says, why don't I have a parachute Jack? And he says, take a wild guess. And this, you know, Peter's like, look, I will be at six games next season. I promise. My word is my bond. Says it again. And 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 Jack says, yeah, junk bond. <laughs> <laughs> so we know the kid's not buying the bullshit anymore. Right. This is a dad who is barely there. He is working all the time. He is constantly not present. Mm-hmm. And it, you could tell this is affected mostly with the kids. The wife seems... Still supportive, but, you know, getting frustrated with him. Right. He is not allowing... We start seeing here how he is not allowing his kids to be kids. Now, not that Jack should be throwing a baseball in the plane, but he's really... He tells him to grow up. What is the kid? He's 11? Yeah. He says, when are you going to grow up? Yeah. When are you going to grow up and stop being a kid? And the kid goes, I am a kid. I am a kid. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I think I think the kid actor here is great. I think. He oh yeah, Charlie Cosmo did a great job. A great job yeah. in here. Yeah. yeah. Now, on this flight, we hear the pilot's voice say, "This is your captain speaking," and it was actually Dustin Hoffman speaking. <gasps> oh my God, Hook was flying them to London. I don't know if he, it was actually Hook flying them, but it, they did have Dustin Hoffman do the, the I speaking. See. Okay. Yep. Okay. So, when they get to London and they go to Granny Wendy's house. The Granny Wendy's spending some time with the kids, and she says, "I'm the real Wendy. I'm the I'm the Wendy from the story, from Peter Pan." 
And it, it turns out that so Wendy is runs an orphanage, and she she took Peter in when he was found as an orphan, and she got him. He found him an American family to you know to grow up with, and all this stuff. So she's very she's very much involved in his life, or was early on, up until he was a teenager. Well, from when he was a teenager on, really, because mm-hmm. we'll find out why. Later on, and if you guys haven't seen this movie, you already know what I'm talking about. If you have, but if you haven't seen this movie, he's His Peter Pan, name guys. Come on, is Peter Banning. Yeah, Peter Banning. Yeah, Peter Banning. <laughs> Peter, yeah, Peter yeah. Pan. He's Peter Pan. Peter Pan. It's Peter Pan, guys. Spoiler alert. Spoiler. He is Peter Pan. Yeah, spoiler alert. <laughs> turns out. <laughs> yeah. So later, uh, Peter gets a disturbing phone call from work where he's lost like some big account or something like that. And he's frustrated. He's trying to be on the phone, but the kids are playing and Mara's trying to get him to go like get gotta get dressed. We're getting ready to go to this thing or blah, blah, blah. And he freaks out on them. He like yells, everybody leave me alone for five minutes and just shut the hell up. And this, this rally kind of is kind of the last straw as far as like, you know, how, like for me, this is where I dissociate with him a little bit. You know what I mean? It's tough for me to relate to a guy who is going to be unremorsefully that much of a dick. You know what I mean? Yeah, I I mean, I would call myself probably a little bit of workaholic too, but I don't think I've ever uh, like bit, come on. I don't think I've ever like done this. I I like really freaked out like that and yelled at people. He's he is absolutely not compassionate with his kids no. whatsoever. Nope. You could see on Wendy's face like she is just appalled yeah. that this is his behavior. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it is it is tough to see him like this. Mm-hmm. I love that Okay, I love Robin Williams in this role. He's so great. And I think it makes it tough to hear because he's always such his most of his characters, not all of them. And when you see him, you know, in, in interviews and stuff, he's just got such a bright personality. And to see this is like tough to watch. And I, mm-hmm. I don't know, it just really kind of hits home like, oh, my God, this is this is intense. You know, yeah. he's a he's a very good actor. He was a very good actor. I, I think a lot of people recognize that most of his characters were, you know, very bright. But there are quite a few roles that he had that were not bright. They, he had a, a character in One Hour Photo that was definitely not a bright spot. He was a troubled person. I mean, he's played troubled people mm-hmm. before. Fisher King comes to mind. Not troubled, but, you know, more dramatic. World, world according to Garp, that sort of stuff. Robin Williams as a dramatic actor is something to behold. Now, a lot of, a lot of comedic actors can make that turn. None of them so far, for me, have made the turn as well as Robin Williams. Mm-hmm. Adam Sandler's pretty good, but he's no Robin Williams when it comes to this. Robin Williams is kind of the the bar, you know, mm-hmm. as far as like a guy that can go from being manic comic to dead serious role, and you're going to believe him. You'll buy it. Right. You right. know? So yeah, I 100% agree. Robin Williams is fantastic in this film. It is a shock because you, like you said, you're fam- you familiarize Robin Williams with Mork and Mindy or something like that, where he's just he's goofy, he's fun. He's going to be a great dad. He's going to be a great dad, and then he's a dick. You yeah, know? he's terrible to his kids and to his wife. Yeah, it really drives it home. It yes. really does drive yep. it home. So Peter, Moira, Wendy, they go to the charity dinner. They leave the kids with Toodles and Liza, the housekeeper. Toodles, who, by the way, when they first got there, as I say, we have to talk about Toodles. We will. Real we, quick. We, we talked about <laughs> when they first got there. Toodles goes to Peter and he says, "I've lost my marbles." I love this. I still love this. When 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 I watch this again, it still yeah. made me chuckle. I just, I love this. It's cute. The guy that plays Toodles is a cute little old man. Yep, and. It plays. It plays well, you yeah. know, because Je- because Peter is like, okay, I gotta go now. <laughs> like you can tell, I'm gonna any, go over here. <laughs> yeah, any essence of Pan is gone from him. Yeah, like completely gone, covered up by years of whatever he's been doing. This corporate rating that he's been doing. He, Peter, you've become a pirate. You know, uh, well, that was. I love that scene. 
Yeah. There's this scene when they first get to Granny Wendy's, if we can go back for a second. Yeah. When they first get to Granny Wendy's and they're introducing the kids and the Charlie's, excuse me, not Charlie, Jack is telling Granny Wendy what her dad does for a living. And he says, you know, if there's, if they're going to take over a company, dad sails in. And if there's any resistance at all, he blows them out of the water. And Wendy looks at Peter and says, oh, Peter, you've become a pirate. Mm-hmm. And it's this, it's this moment. There's this like cute little like turn of the mouth before they cut. And it's just really well-timed and really well, like editing was fantastic in that scene. In the fact that we get this moment where you can see that, She's serious, but a little bit lighthearted there, too. You know, the irony of Peter Pan becoming a pirate mm-hmm. is not lost on Wendy. Yeah. So, corporate pirate, but yeah. Still a pirate. Still a pirate, yeah. So while they are at this charity dinner that I was talking about before, they are celebrating Wendy's life. Something or someone, we don't know at the time, abducts the kids. Hook. <laughs> yes. Nana, the dog, is barking, and Toodles interprets it as the dog saying the word hook. So he starts shouting, he starts saying hook. And we, when, when the Bannings and Wendy get home, they go into the house, they notice that there's like this cut up the wall, this jagged cut that looks like it maybe was made by a hook. Mm-hmm. And tacked to the door with a dagger is a note that says, you know, basically if you want to, if you want to see your kids again, you have to come to Neverland and find me, Captain James Hook. And they call the cops. They, the cops come in. They say, you know, there's a, there's a possibility that it may be a prank because, you know, judging from based on the, the literary history of the family, they may, somebody may be playing a joke on people. Yeah. Now the inspector here. Yeah. Is Phil Collins. Phil Collins from Genesis Phil Collins? Yeah. Oh, the you'll be in my heart guy. Is that what it, did he sing one of those? Oh, yeah, he did sing that, didn't he? Yeah, isn't that from Tarzan or something like that? Yes. Yeah, it was like yeah. him trying, him, hold on, wait, wait, aping Elton John from The Lion King to uh, to make a song for Tarzan. Aping, because Tarzan about apes. Did Elton John do Lion King? Elton John did The Lion King. You don't remember Elton John doing The Lion King? Elton John did Circle of Life. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. Yep. <laughs> I don't know. I was You ruined my joke. He was I aping know. Elton John. Well, Come you on. Cut that the, the monkey. Yeah. No, I'm not cutting it out. That's a good joke. <laughs> that is a good no, joke. You can cut my part out. Aping Elton John. Come on. Anyway, where was I here? Also, yes. I feel like. Them thinking this is a prank or joke, the kids are still missing. Yeah, the cops aren't taking this very seriously, are they? Where the hell are the kids? Where the hell are the real cops? Because these guys suck. So, well, it is yeah. Phil Collins, so, you know, he's Phil not Collins, really a cop. Yeah. He's like, I've got a set here in a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. So after they get done with the police, a worried Peter meets with Wendy in her room, and Wendy... Lays it all out there for Peter. She says, you know, you are, in fact, Peter Pan. And Peter just won't hear any of that. But later on, he ends up having a drink out on the balcony of the kids' room. And he gets accosted by Tinkerbell. The really real Tinkerbell. Played by Julia Roberts. In Green Screen Hell. She can't convince him that he's really Peter Pan. So she basically knocks him out and then abducts him, takes him to Neverland. All right. Let's talk about Tinkerbell real quick. Yeah. So first off, everything I'm reading is talking about how Julia Roberts really made this a difficult filming issue. So I've heard. Um, and part of that was because she was kind of isolated from everybody and right. filming in front of a green screen all right. the time, which... Okay, but you probably don't need to be difficult for everybody. But <laughs> this is probably my biggest complaint about this movie is I don't know. The Tinkerbell situation? Yeah, I don't know if I... Tinkerbell has to be in it. It's Peter Pan. So I understand that. But this is probably the biggest flaw I see in here is the special effects. You could definitely tell. Yeah, they haven't aged well. That's they haven't true. aged well. And I don't think she did a very good job acting in this. Julia Roberts kind of phones it in. I'm not yeah. gonna. I'm not gonna mince words. She I, phones it in. I in feel this like movie. if they had a different actress, maybe that would have felt a little more 
believable. I don't know. Look, I, there's a lot of dum dums out there who were like, "Oh, she's not blonde." Blah, blah, blah. And it's like, who, 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 okay. who I don't fucking care about cares? the hair color. The the real argument here is, did she do a good job? And I'm right. gonna say, I'm gonna say unequivocally, I don't think she did. I okay. mean, okay. I appreciate I'm the work I'm not that the only she one did. that thinks no, that. I appreciate the work that went into this movie, but I, she definitely phoned it in. She definitely phoned it in. And I understand you're isolated. You're the one that's doing the work on the green screen, and and you're really the one of the only people doing work on the green screen, except for the people when they're flying, mm-hmm. it, like. Like, like you said, why make it more difficult? Yeah. And if that's just complicated, that's just complicating things. So if you're phoning it in and you're making it difficult, your part in this movie is going to kind of taint things a little bit, mm-hmm. which I think is probably part of the reason that critics kind of panned this to start well, with. Well, and then too, I read somewhere that during the shooting, she was having relationship problems with someone. And so she like took off and flew off and like... <laughs> And Steven Spielberg had to call and chew her out and tell her to get her ass back there. Otherwise, she wasn't going to have a job or something like that. I mean, it sounds like it was like really a hectic environment to be filming in. Why would you piss off Steven freaking Spielberg? Uh, Look, Steven Spielberg coming out of the 80s is the biggest filmmaker in Hollywood. You have to have some giant gold-plated balls to piss him off intentionally. Like, what are you, dumb? I don't know. I don't know. Anyways, I just want to talk about Tinkerbell real quick, and that's probably all I'm going to say about it. So. I'll have other things to talk about with Tinkerbell when okay. we get to them. But, all right. Yeah. So she ends up dropping Peter off at Hook's Pirate Stronghold, which the first time I saw this movie, I was like, why the F did she do that? Why didn't she just fly him to the Lost Boy Stronghold? That's not where his kids are. Right. That's not where his kids Now, when I watched this movie in 1991, I was 17 years old. Yeah. Not thinking about that. Now, as an adult with a kid... Yeah, take me to where my kids are. That's where his kids are. Yep. That's why she brings him there. Yeah. So she brings him to Pirate Strong or the Pirate Stronghold, where he ends up going undercover to investigate in a scene that I love, where Tink is telling him how to be a pirate. <laughs> yeah. And it's Robin Williams' physical acting that sells the shit out of yeah, this. Yeah, he does great. <laughs> Tilt your head, squint your eye, squint your good eye, crack your mouth and drool, and you literally see how <laughs> just like he just slobbers on himself and then and then growl and he says he goes, Ah and the guy passing him goes, Ah and he goes, How are you? I'm fine, how are you? Good. <laughs> And then they <laughs> keep going, and I'm like that, 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 that. I love that interchange. I love the physical acting of Robin Williams in this in this scene. It's just fantastic, absolutely fantastic. So, I agree. <laughs> yeah. So Hook appears, and he brags about having stolen Peter Pan's kids, and he brings them up in this net, and he's like showing them off. And when that happens, Peter confronts the captain, and Hook can't believe what he's seeing. He's absolutely flabbergasted that this old fat dude is Peter Pan. He just can't believe it. I want to challenge the fact that they keep calling him fat. He is not fat. (laughs) He's got a little extra weight on him, but he's not fat. Oh, but compared to Peter Pan. But Peter Pan was a child. Exactly. This is a man. So he challenges Peter to fly. He says, look, if you can fly up to where your kids are and you can touch their outstretched hands, then I will let you go. This and will be the end of it. isn't it ironic that Peter's afraid of heights? That's what, yeah. He leans <laughs> in and he says, Peter, he says, he says, oh, Peter Pan has a real problem with heights. And so Peter, instead of flying, of course, because he can't fly or he doesn't know he can fly, he climbs up the mast and tries to reach out to the kids' hands, but he can't touch them. And at this point, Hook is just like, all right, screw all this. We're just going to kill these three and be done with it. I don't ever want to hear the name Peter Pan again. And this is when Tink steps in. Tink, Tink, you know, says, look, you're the one that wanted this war. This is the real Pan, but it's going to take at least five days for me to get him in shape. And Hook counters with three and they agree and they shake on it. So she's got... Three days to get him in the thing. And then Hook, or get him into shape. And then Hook announces it to his to the crowd on his ship. He's like, look, this is what's going to happen. We're going to have our war. It's going to be in three days, no matter what. And everybody's excited. So one of the pirates is, or the pirates are like, yeah, and they throw their arms up. And one of the dudes hits Peter, who's now bound. They bound his arms after he after they brought him down from the mast. It smacks Peter onto the plank, the, the, the gang plank or whatever. And he bounces into the water, where he's rescued by mermaids. Who dump him into the Lost Boy stronghold? All right, I'm back up just real quick. Yeah. 
So back at the pirate stronghold, yep. we get an encounter before Peter reveals himself. Oh, yeah. That yes. Captain yeah. Hook is saying, now which one of you didn't believe I could do this? Right. And of course, we're all didn't thinking think he knows who that Peter is. Yeah. But he goes to the guy next to him. Yeah. And this guy confesses that. He placed a bet against him. He placed a bet yeah. against him. And so he gets him. placed in the boo box. But. He says, admit it, you made a boo boo. And he's like, yeah, I did. And he's like, okay, the boo box. Yeah. <laughs> but this pirate is played by Glenn Close. That's Glenn Close? It is Glenn Close. Shut up. I didn't know I that. I never knew back that. All the times that I watched this before until probably about 10 years ago, I heard that that was Glenn Close. And I'm like, oh, so I kind of watched it back, just that clip. And then this time when I watched, I really listened for the voice. It's her. It's, her. it's Glenn Close. No kidding. Yeah. See, my sexist ass, when I heard Glenn Close was in the movie, I thought Glenn Close played one of the, like, the painted ladies that's, you know, that's hanging out the windows. She was the bearded pirate. She was the boo box pirate, huh? <laughs> she is. Crazy. So Peter is now at the Lost Boys stronghold. And he... He's on his own, but he ends up discovering the Lost Boys, and he finds out that they're being led by a guy named Rufio, who is Mr. Skunkhead with too much moose, as Peter will eventually call him. He challenges the other Lost Boys to pick a side, either his side or Peter's side. So I I love this scene when they've kind of beat him up a little bit right. now, right? Because right. they're they're trying they chase to him say around, it's they not shoot him. him. With arrows, yeah. And Rufio draws the line on the ground, and he says, if any of you don't think, this is Peter Pan, cross the line, right. and Peter's the first one to start walking across, cracks me up every time. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, hell no, I am not Peter He's Pan. Like, I know I'm not, so. <laughs> yeah. Oh, such good stuff. So eventually, one of the kids sees the real Peter in the in the folds of the wrinkles on his face, and he stretches his face. That's a really sweet moment, really kind of sappy moment, where he it, he kind of spreads his face a bit so the wrinkles go away, and he goes. I don't know if it's sappy. That is just a really touching moment between between a young kid finding his friend. Yeah, that's true. And he says, oh, there you are, Peter. Yes, I love and it. And that's when other kids come over. And then there's this great back and forth where like Rufio's like, well, what about this? And the kids run back. And then the other kid's like, hey, but what about this? And they run back, yeah. back and forth and back yeah. and forth. And eventually they accept him. And they agree that they're going to train him. So they are going to have this amazing put, yeah, training it, montage. It is Best like, training montage. It <laughs> rivals Rocky Four for best <laughs> montage. <laughs> He goes through so much crazy rigmarole, and the whole time he is acting like a complete friggin' adult about it. Yeah. Like, put on a helmet, you shouldn't be doing that, you know, what, what, <laughs> where are your knee pads, et cetera, et cetera. He gets, like, accosted with snowballs while he's running. They have a great song that they sing to him about, like, reach on down and touch your toes, how long since you looked at those, yep. that sort of stuff. Like, it's it's cute. It's funny. There, uh, Robin Williams sells it very well. The uh, he, he, Robin Williams and kids, for some reason, I don't know of any other movie where Robin Williams interacts with little kids like this. Can you think of one? Maybe Jack, but that movie's terrible. Maybe uh, Patch Adams, he interacts with kids. Yeah. But this is a big group of kids. Yeah. And to me, Robin Williams was originally for kids. Like Mork and Mindy, as a kid, that like me as a kid, other kids in my school, we all watched Mork and Mindy. That was our show. Right? Well, and then, too, like with Patch Adams, that was a little bit more serious, like a lot more serious. Right. This this is Robin Williams being Robin Williams with kids. Right. There, I'm sorry. To me, there's nothing as magical seeing on screen as this right here. Yeah. This is amazing. Yeah. Robin Williams is definitely, he was definitely something else. He's a great actor. I really, really appreciate everything that he put out there, even Jack. <laughs> <laughs> I put that one on you, Coppola. Anyway, <laughs> so in the end, his imagination is what brings him back. He is there's a there's a quote unquote dinner scene. I have ben, questions about this I, scene. I, I love this scene. I have a questions. I have questions about the scene. But it doesn't what, make any sense. It doesn't I love like it. so if this is all the kids eat, which is imaginary food, how are they still alive? 
I think how can they still be I alive? Think in Neverland, though, I think it becomes real. It's it's a magical place. So I think as they have this imaginary food, it it if becomes they imagine real. It into, if they will it into existence, yeah. is what you're saying? They will. I, it into... I really that's what I believe is happening. Okay, I can deal with that. But when Peter first sits down, he's like, where's what's happening? Food? Yeah, where's the real food? <laughs> and one of the other kids is like, are you going to eat that? And he's like, no, please enjoy. You know, here's my empty plate. <laughs> Just like an adult would. Right. 100%. 100% like an adult would. Yep. And the 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 thing that breaks him out of this funk and gets him to believe is he gets into like an insult war with Rufio. He calls him... He calls him a math tutor. <laughs> I love his, his, his insults his at insults first. His insults at first are pretty adult oriented. <laughs> They're hysterical. Substitute chemistry teacher, math tutor. I loved them. I, I thought, like, I want to know if any of that was improvised. Do you have any notes about that? Was that I improvised stuff? I didn't find stuff? that, but I, now that you say that, I'd be interested I, to see if there I is. imagine Robin Williams would have improvised some of this. It <laughs> seems like a Robin Williams thing to do substitute chemistry teacher is now my go-to for you're a dick. <laughs> you substitute chemistry teacher. But anyway, so he, they get into this insult war and Peter appears to win. Everybody's on his side and they're all cheering for him. And then he picks up an imaginary scoop of something, cake, rainbow colored Some pudding. Some kind of pudding goop. And he flings it at Rufio and it becomes real. Mm-hmm. And that's when it's real. That's when he's his imagination's back. You're using your imagination, Peter. Yeah. Yep. Then we have a great food fight. Great big food. Yeah, there's a great big food and fight. And yeah. he gets a coconut flung at him and he cuts it with a sword. So this is the first time like some of his sword fighting abilities has yeah. awakened. His sword fighting skills have yeah. are he's getting stuff back slowly but surely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The imagination is what starts the whole thing. Yep. And then we're going to get little pieces as we go along. So while this is all going on, Hook is attempting to win the hearts of Peter's kids. And he manages to do that with Jack, but Maggie not so much. So he kind of puts Maggie off of the prison. But he's going to groom Jack to become his own son. So he even does this thing where he like recreates a baseball game for Jack to play in. And he sits on a throne at the game so that Jack can see him cheering him on and mm-hmm. just basically becoming that surrogate dad that Jack so desperately wanted to be there uh, for him. Peter and the Lost Boys, of course, are coming to this baseball game not knowing that there's a baseball game on because they are there to steal Captain Hook's hook. It's a fun game they used to play. It's a fun game they used to play. So that's that's kind of one of, that's part of his training. He got to mm-hmm. go steal Hook's hook, right? Mm-hmm. But he sees the baseball game, and he sees that it's Jack playing the baseball game, and he disguises himself as a pirate, and he goes and he watches the baseball game. Since, ironically, this is the only baseball game he's actually seen his son in. Mm-hmm. And he's coaching him kind of covertly, saying, you know, wait for the good pitches, you know, like pretending yeah. to be a pirate, shouting, wait for the good pitches. He is kind of crestfallen, though, when the, you know, Jack hits a home run. He hits like a super duper, like really long, far home run, which will come back eventually. And he runs to Hook. And like he Hook says, My boy, that's my boy, Jack. And yeah. and Peter's like, No, that's my boy, Jack. Yeah. So he goes back to the Lost Boys camp and he's kind of despondent and he's kind of pondering the events of the day, but then he gets hit in the head with the baseball that was just that was hit earlier, mm-hmm. which I don't know how much time has passed, but basically Again, the implication you're in is a magical it, world. Yeah, I mean the implication is he sent it into orbit, right? Yeah. He'll send yeah. it off. And the ball falls into a pool and Peter goes to look for the ball. But when he looks and he sees his reflection, he sees a young version of himself. Mm-hmm. And he goes and he grabs the ball and he, he kind of is throwing it up in the air. And that's when you notice that his shadow isn't synced with him. And he notices that too. And he turns around, he sees the shadow and the shadow leads him to a hidden room, which is actually the room that Wendy and John and uh, who's the other kid? Michael. Wendy, Michael. John, and Michael yep. were staying when they were, that's the room that they were staying in when they were in Neverland. Mm-hmm. We get to see Peter's teddy bear, which spurs more memories. He finally re- he re- remembers his mother mm-hmm. and why he left, why he decided he didn't want to be there. And I don't know exactly how this happened. The kid just willed his carriage to, fly, to roll away. He didn't want to grow up, so he ran away. 
at age one, maybe. Yeah, if you're not supposed to age in Neverland, how do you get to the age he was at? Interesting question. Okay. I'm I, sure there's some story background to it somewhere, <laughs> but I, when I was watching this this time, I'm like, wait a minute. How did he eh, age up sense. to the age yeah. he was? <laughs> you, that's one of those... You know how you gotta like like what let one of those things go? You gotta let something oh, yeah. go. This is the yeah. one they have to let go. Yeah, it really doesn't bother me that yep. bad. There you. I was just I wondering if there was some kind of background to you know what that is. I've never read Peter Pan storybooks. You've never read the book Peter Pan? No, I haven't. Wow, I've okay. seen the movie, the Disney cartoon movie, but I've never read the book, so I didn't know if there was something in there that talks about it. You know, I don't think there is. I might have it somewhere. I'll have to look, but I think I might actually have a copy of it. You could read mm-hmm. it if you if I do. So. Peter remembers everything, and then he remembers he remembers going back to Wendy time and time again, and Wendy just kept getting older, and then eventually he meets Mora, who he gives a kiss to, a real kiss, and then he remembers the birth of his son. And when he remembers the birth of Jack, it cuts back to Peter, and he's flying, or hovering, mm-hmm. I he's guess hovering, I should yeah. say. Yeah. This is the happy thought his kid that's his kid it's the happy thought that got him to be able to fly again gave him his powers back and he goes on like a i don't know what i don't know what else to call it but a flying rampage that was the first thing that that came to my (laughs) mind he's just flying everywhere he just goes flying all over the place showing off to the lost boys he convinces rufio with all this flying that he really is the pan and rufio abdicates the sword to him and uh, decides that he will follow this pan so now everybody's on the same team in all the celebrating and everything and him realizing who he really is. He's kind of forgotten why he's there for mm-hmm. like a split second. But Tink ends up reminding him. He ends up going. Now, this is where we're going to have a problem. He ends up going to visit Tinkerbell. And he's clearly not the Peter Banning that we've seen for the first two acts of this movie. Mm-hmm. He is now Pan again. Yep. Not thinking about his kids. But (sighs) Tinkerbell decides that she's going to turn herself full size. Now, and she's going to confess her love for Peter, basically. She can tell him that, you know, she's always loved him. And she wants to, she gives him a kiss. And this is kind of what brings him back to, I got to go rescue my kids. I got to get back to my wife, Mm -hmm. et cetera, et cetera. Now, question, question for you here. I've read the book. I've seen the movie, the the adaptation I've seen. Uh, I saw a bit with, I saw a stage play version of it with, uh, God, who was the woman that was on the Hogan family? I can't remember her name. She played Peter Pan. Anyway, I, see, I've seen this movie, I've seen this story a bunch of times. I have never in my life seen a version of it where Tinkerbell grows to full size. Have you ever heard of this? No, this is the only time I've okay. heard this, yeah. This bothered the crap out of me. Tinkerbell, knowing that Peter is married and has kids, decides that she's going to intervene and try and get him to stay with her. Why did she go to get him then? Why did she go to get him to save his kids? I kind of take it as, I don't know if she's really going to follow through with that. I think it's more she's just caught up in the moment. Like she's, again, somebody who's missed her friend. This is somebody who, if she did truly love him, he's been gone for a long time. And now all of a sudden he's back and he's like he was before. So the only thing, though, is if she truly loved him from before and she's a grown woman and that was a child before, now it's kind of weird. That is kind of weird. Well, although she's a pixie, so who she's, knows? I don't know. Like what? I, what's what's the statute for pixies I, and I kids? You know, I would have been fine without this scene in here. This yeah, this scene is an unnecessary is, is bloated weird. scene. Yeah, I I yep. think they could have taken it out, and I would have been a little happier because <laughs> hundred percent. Again, a lot of this I understand. We need Tinkerbell, but a lot of the Tinkerbell stuff is what I have a problem with in this movie. But yeah. you know, yep. thankfully she's not like. Pushing the main the issue. part of this, yeah, yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> this, this, yeah. The, this movie, so. definitely, definitely. So after Peter realizes that he's got to rescue his kids, they, he and the Lost Boys prepare for war, which I thought was cute because they they string up these like wooden like these 
these sticks that are all strung together and a kid would step through them and he'd have armor on. Yeah. <laughs> I thought that was funny. So it was creative. When they get to the pirate's haven, they are interrupting a coming of age moment for Jack with Hook where he's going to pierce, Hook is going to pierce Jack's ear and make him a, make him a pirate. The process will be complete. So the Lost Boys and Peter, they attack. Rufio duels with with Hook while Peter goes after Maggie, who gets taken away. She, the, a couple of pirates take her and run off with her. Mm-hmm. And in Peter's absence, Hook gets the upper hand on Rufio and he delivers a fatal blow to the former Lost Boys leader. I am... Crushed? Yeah. Well, I'm just shocked that... <laughs> that one of like this adult kills this kid you know and i understand this is this peter pan story thing that that goes on but uh, you know it's still an adult and a kid true true however rufio probably would have stabbed hook and killed him too well he does say that all adults are pirates and they kill pirates so yeah Yeah. it was sad i thought it was sad oh it was definitely sad that peter actually ends up cradling Rufio in his arms and Rufio looks at him and says, you know, I wish I had a dad that was like you. Mm-hmm. And this is what kind of brings Jack back around because up until this point, he's kind of entranced by the whole Neverland thing and hook. And it's you like, know, there's a spell stuff. over there's Neverland spell. where you kind of forget. Yeah. Well, yeah. Maggie yeah. even says that Neverland makes you forget, never mm-hmm. forget mom and dad. Yeah. And it's only when it's, it's the combination of this death of Rufio and seeing his dad's reaction to it. And earlier at the baseball game, the kid, the pirates had, instead of saying, home run jack they were saying run home jack which mm-hmm. is the last thing that maggie said to them before they were split up by hook it's those two things that that kind of bring him back a little bit so the bannings hook you know he peter's gonna fight hook but but jack is like dad i just want i just want to go home can we just mm-hmm. go home now let's mm-hmm. go home and and maggie has a great line he's just a mean old man without a mommy yeah <laughs> <laughs> which i thought was cute but Pan is not going, or not Pan, excuse me, but Hook is not going to allow that to be the end of it. And he promises Peter that his, he will be at the doorstep of his children and his children's children and his children's children's children if he doesn't come back and fight him. Mm-hmm. So Peter's backed into a corner. He doesn't want this old pirate to be, you know, bothering all of his ancestors. Or not ancestors, progeny, I don't know, whatever. The forthcoming spawn of Pan. The spawn of Pan? I found the sequel. There's the sequel. (laughs) So we got Hook, which is the sequel, but then you got the sequel to Hook, which is the spawn of Pan. Dawn of Man, spawn of Pan. Okay, well, I don't know. I'm stretching. I'll work on it. We'll put a treatment together and send it over to Spielberg. Anyway, so so they kind of have at it, and Hook gets the upper hand, but there's a big old crocodile that Hook had had stuffed and turned into a quiet clock out in the middle of the pirate haven. And Pan takes the hook on Hook's right hand and jams it into the belly of this crocodile corpse. Mm-hmm. And then the crocodile corpse comes alive <laughs> and, <Somehow>. eats, <laughs> and eats Hook. Yeah. <laughs> But he comes alive just for a moment. Just for a quick moment, yeah. Because because if he doesn't come for life for just a moment, and he comes alive just in general, what do you do with a gigantic crocodile that's on land that's already eaten one human? Yeah. And you've got a whole bunch of other humans nearby. What do you do with that with that scenario? He obviously could only be alive for a moment. Fed gator is a dead gator. <laughs> what? That's what they say down in Florida. If you hand feed gators, they got to go put them oh, down. Oh, okay. Yeah. I got gotcha. you. Yeah. Fed gator is a dead gator. Okay. Yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that's funny so Tink takes the kids back to London after teaching them to fly and using the pixie dust on them Peter tells them you know think a happy thought and Maggie's happy thought is her mom Jack's happy thought is his dad finally there's some healing going on there There is yeah and then Peter stays behind to figure out who's going to carry on the Peter Pan legacy so a little tidbit here yeah this scene was filmed without any of the actors in the scene other than Robin Williams knowing who was going to get the sword. 
So Steven Spielberg told Robin Williams, this is who you hand it to. Right. And so then it was that he wanted to get genuine reactions from all the kids. Well, he definitely got a genuine yep. reaction from the actor for Thudmutt because that kid was like, holy crap, I'm the new band. It was great. Yep. It was a really cute scene. Great moment. And then Peter flies back to London saying, thank you for believing. And he wakes up in Kensington Gardens, not too far from Granny Wendy's place. But Tink appears on a statue of Pan and tells him that she'll always love him and that she'll wait for him in that moment between sleep and awake. So it's not over. It's not resolved. She still loves him. Come on, man. Why can't you just let this this Peter Pan Tinkerbell romance thing just die? Why didn't it, they just cut I all of like this out? I feel like you could have just left it as a like friendship love and I would have been a lot better with it. Like she <sighs> she it's it's a I think it's a stronger bond than just friends between right. Peter Pan and Tinkerbell. Sure. But going to the point of being in love, I felt like was pushing it too far. Yeah, but. in love is not the right thing for Pan and Tink. I don't think. Especially because he rhymes. was a boy and she was, you know. A pixie. A pixie, yeah. It just yeah. seems weird, Could have been a full-grown but... pixie, but we don't know. Yeah. <laughs> well, there's no, do we have the background? We should need, we need the background novel for Tinkerbell. <laughs> she call, there you go. A gritty background novel for Tinkerbell called Tink. Yeah. And it's like how it all started for her. I can't wait. It's like Wicked, right? Remember there's a book called Wicked that kind of explores the Wicked Witch of the West yeah. from Wizard of Oz. That was, I think it was a play too. A yeah, I think it is. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So anyway. <laughs> Yeah, we need that. We need Tink. <laughs> Tink, a pixie story. Coming soon. From Simon and Schuster Press. Anyway. So he is reunited with his family, and he returns Toodles Marbles. Oh, my God. that We didn't talk about that scene either. There was yeah. a scene where Thudbutt gives Peter his marbles. He's like, Toodles left these here. Yeah. And he... Peter opens the bag and he goes, oh, it's his marbles. He really did lose his marbles. Yeah. And Thudbutt's like, yeah, he lost him good. <laughs> Another scene that it's just great because you get it in the beginning, you get the middle part, and then it pays off at the end there. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Because Toodles is going to use those marbles as his happy thought. And it's actually got pixie dust pixie in it. Pixie dust in there. So he's able to fly off to the second star to the right as he goes the Bannings back to wave him on. Yeah. They wave him goodbye. And goodbye to us, because that's the end of the movie. We also have a little moment here when Peter first gets in there and he starts Mm. acting like the old dad where... Right. Like, just for a brief moment, I think enough to, like, scare the kids real quick. Right. But then he goes right into being the Peter Pan type dad he throws his phone away Mm -hmm. he's obviously gonna make some changes here so right right as long as he doesn't forget and goes back into what he's doing before yeah if otherwise rufio's sacrifice is in vain yeah i would like to believe that he will not forget and he will now become a better dad and better husband to his family i i would have to agree with that it certainly seems that way this is what we've ended up on so yes yes All right, that's the end of the movie. Do you have any final notes? I do have a couple other things. Okay. This is the first Spielberg-directed film to ever receive a Razzie Award (laughs) nomination. (laughs) What's it for? Worst Supporting Actress, Julia Roberts. Oh, well, that's (laughs) well-earned, well-earned, well-freaking-earned. Now, I, I don't mind Julia Roberts in other things. But eh, I'm not this, a fan. I know you're not a fan. Yeah. I don't have that same feeling that you do. I'm, 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 I'm fussy when it comes to like actors in general. Like there are certain actors that I just don't want to see, you know. And she's yeah. one of those. But this this role, I don't think either. She just didn't try very hard, or it just was she was not the right person for this role. And it could have been a little both too. All right, there's a kissing couple on the bridge who begin to float once they have fairy dust that floats over them. Mm-hmm. This is actually George Lucas and Carrie Fisher. Interesting. You know, interesting point about those, that kissing couple. Tink sprayed them with pixie dust without their consent. So that's like roofing people. Now these people are flying. No, no, they're flying. What if they? What if when they get up there, they become terrified and they fall and they die? Is there insurance for pixies? 
who accidentally dust people with pixie dust. It's supposed to be a cute magical moment. Don't cute turn magical it moment. My ass. This else. is a this is a liability <laughs> for a pixie. They're a liability. <laughs> Well, you're not wrong, but let's just keep it a magical (laughs) moment, okay? Sure, magically liable. All right, there is a scene where Rufio is taunting Peter Banning by just barely striking him in the face with the sword and says, you're dead, jolly man. Now, in order for this to be a safe move, they actually had Dante Basco perform that movement backwards and he repeated the line backwards so when they played it forward it came out right so he had to memorize this you're dead jolly man backwards and then film that whole scene backwards that's crazy isn't that weird that's cool (laughs) i like that film it's all about like deceiving the audience in some way shape or form it's great now i don't know if this is a huge secret or if this is pretty much well known, I didn't know about this. Steven Spielberg does not like this movie. I knew about He's this. He's not a fan of this movie. And I did some looking because I was really wondering why. What is it about this movie that he did not like? Sure. And this is his quote from an interview he did back in 2011. I felt like a fish out of water making hook. I didn't have confidence in the script. I had confidence in the first act, and I had confidence in the epilogue. I didn't have confidence in the body of it. I didn't quite know what I was doing, and I tried to paint over my insecurity with production value. The more insecure I felt about it, the bigger and more colorful the sets became. Hmm. I, you know, I totally respect where he's coming from. I would urge him to reconsider, because I do believe, even with the the fallibility even with his fallibility i think he produced at least a decent film here i don't think this is probably something to hate on i also read that so he became very close with robin williams oh, sure. after this movie sure sure and he has not watched this movie since it came out and he decided to give it a shot after robin williams passed and he said he did not make it through it he couldn't mm. get through he missed his friend and so he still hasn't rewatched this movie to he said he would like to try and watch it again to give it a shot and see what he thinks now sure yeah. he just hasn't been able to do it that's sad that's sad i understand that though the I loss mean, of robin williams was something that struck a lot of people yeah and I know that most of the people that it struck were not his actual friends. So if the if the rest of us who loved Robin Williams as a performer and felt like he was that crazy uncle that we all loved, if the rest of us were feeling that, I can only imagine what his friends and family were feeling. Right. Yeah. Yep. I have some alternate casting. Perfect. Let's all right. hear it. All right. Mr. Smee. We have... How do you replace Bob Hoskins? Joe Pesci? No. Danny DeVito? Yeah, no. What? I love (laughs) Danny DeVito and I love Joe Pesci, but come on, really? Bob Hoskins, man. Toodles. Yeah. Richard Attenborough. He was in Jurassic Park. Right, right. Eh, maybe. I mean, he's an accomplished actor. He would have pulled it off, but I don't think it would have had the same effect as this Toodles. Yeah, I think he had, I don't remember why he turned this one down. He had, I think he had something going on, but then he took the Jurassic Park role, so. Because Spielberg wouldn't leave him alone? <laughs> it possibly could be. He was, he was, he's notoriously like a pit bull. He will not let something go if he wants it. He will get it. And another Jurassic Park connection for Jack, Joseph Mazzello. He was ah. eventually turned down because they felt he was too young. Too young, yeah, because by that point he would have been... Geez, that would have been that would have been three years prior, and he was really young. He was ten or eleven in Jurassic Park. That would have put him at eight or something mm-hmm. when they were filming. Yeah, he would have been too young. Yep. For this, Tinkerbell. We have Winona Ryder. I could have seen that. Rebecca De Mornay. Yeah. Sherilyn Fenn. Maybe sure. Or Samantha Mathis. Samantha Mathis, really? Maybe. I, I, you know what? I could see Samantha Mathis pulling this off. Do you know who she is? I, I don't. I can't think of what movie she's in, but I know her face. Okay, all right. Yeah, yeah. I feel like, I feel like any of these maybe would have done a better job. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, Julia Roberts. I, I just this wasn't the right role for her. <laughs> all right, Captain Hook. 
There was an alternate casting for Captain Hook? I thought he was the first person cast. There was two other people considered. Ooh. Christopher Lloyd. Ooh. Or Donald Sutherland. Donald Sutherland, this would have been a completely different role if Donald Sutherland had taken, taken it on. But Christopher Lloyd, that's interesting. Christopher Lloyd is an interesting idea for Hook. This would have been 90 that they would have been filming this. 89 probably when they were casting. So just as Back to the Future is closing down. Think of that. Mm-hmm. that think of that, Christopher Lloyd. Yeah. That would have been a good one. That would have been interesting. All right. And then for Peter Banning, we have Tom Hanks. No. Kevin Klein. No. I don't think anybody else could have done this Mm-mm. like Robin Williams. No. But No. And the big one is when this was first talked about, Michael Jackson wanted to play oh, yeah, I remember Peter that. Pan. Yeah, I remember that. Steven Spielberg had to really talk him down and be like, look, this isn't the story you want to tell. This is going to be about when Peter Pan is an adult and has right. kids and is a grown up. And apparently there was such a falling out. Michael Jackson was so mad at Steven Spielberg that I guess he stopped talking to him after it. <laughs> so I, I'm i glad they didn't do that. I oh, don't God, think I would have liked that at all. And it would have been a completely different story, too. My, so I'm yeah. really glad. Oh, my God. They just were like, meh, no. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I, you said that and it just it sparked back up in me. I remember when that was the that was all the talk. He wanted to be Peter Pan. He also tried to buy Marvel so he could be Spider-Man. Can you imagine what kind of a world we'd live in if if Michael Jackson was Spider-Man? No. No. I mean, I don't care what color a person is, but Michael Jackson is not going to give you a good Spider-Man. I'm sorry. Donald Donald uh, Glover, he would have been a good Spider-Man when he was younger. Definitely. Yeah. Right? Because there was talk about him maybe being Miles Morales. Mm, okay. That would have been great. No, he's too old to do it, obviously. But, right. But either way, Michael Jackson as Spider-Man, Michael Jackson as Peter Pan... Michael Jackson as anything other than I'm a singer and a pop icon is yeah. a little bit an anathema to me, you know? Stay, stay in your lane. <laughs> <laughs> Some people can cross over. Michael Jackson, not so much. I, yeah, you know, I don't maybe. think he would have been so good recognizable. At a crossover. Just so recognizable, it, I think, is the problem. Yeah. You wouldn't see him as anything other than Michael Jackson pretending to be Hook or Peter Even Pan. Even if he did have acting chops, which I don't know if he did. I've yeah. never I mean, other than his music videos. Captain I never... EO, didn't you see Captain EO at Disney back in the day? No. Epcot they mm-hmm. had it, I think it was where it was. No. Or maybe it was at Hollywood Studios. And no. So I, I but I can't imagine he's good at acting. Didn't you ever see the thriller video? Yeah. You saw him act then. Right, but that's what I'm saying when music videos. Sure. Music videos is different than big screen. It's a 20-minute long music video. It is, but it's mostly dancing. It's like 19 minutes of dancing and one minute of him sitting there eating popcorn watching himself on the screen. (laughs) That's not true. He has to transform into the cat monster or whatever the hell it was. Sure. Okay. All right. Thriller. That was a great video. Wasn't that is it? a great video. Is, it still is. Oh, I, I man, might have easily. to pull that up and look at that. Yeah. Now that now that we talked about that, I have to watch. Yeah. <laughs> Rick Baker did the, mes- the special effects for that, the makeup. The same guy that did the special effects for American Werewolf in London because Michael Jackson wanted him to do it. He was saw American Werewolf in London. He was like, you have got to do this video for me. What kind yeah. of money you want. All right, I'll add like two ones on from <laughs> it. Yeah. Exactly. exactly. All right. So I have a couple other things I want to talk about real okay. quick. First of all, at one point, Hook is trying to tell the kids how parents are bad. And he says, they tell you stories to shut you up. And that is true. Not for parents, just in general. Think about this. To quell, like, to keep to keep people... It's bread and circuses, right? This is what I'm talking about. Like, to keep people docile, they feed them television or movies in this case, I guess. Whatever. To keep people from, like, realizing what the real problems are in their life. This is this is the first thing that I thought of when that came up. Like, like he said that and I was like, oh my god, that's, that's completely apropos for everything, not just for these kids. Yeah. <laughs> thought that was crazy. The other thing that I want to talk about is the end of this movie. And we talked earlier about Close Encounters of the Third Kind. 
and how, what was his name, Roy? Roy Neary. Mm-hmm leaves his family behind and goes off to quote unquote never neverland right he goes off to space he goes off to find terrible ending it's terrible terrible action by an by a parent right yeah this movie is the inverse peter could have it all he could be the pan again he could do all that go on all of his adventures Mm -hmm. but he chooses his family he chooses to stay home Mm -hmm. it's this is a cool little inverse a cool little parallel film to watch with close encounters i think i really really appreciate that watching the end of this movie i was like holy crap especially since we had watched close encounters a couple months ago that that to me speaks volumes for this like like the idea that spielberg as a director has matured enough now of course he's gone through the special edition of the director's cut of close encounters at that point but the idea that he's matured enough maybe he's got kids by this point Mm -hmm. so banning's obviously going to stay home but i love the parallel there i love it love it love it love it so that was all i had all right do you have any other notes that you want to talk about before we head on into our next phase nope i think i've gotten through everything all right so that leads us to keep rent or erase jennifer for hook and why this is an easy keep for me i love this movie (laughs) So much so that this time watching it, I was a little nervous going in because, like I said, I haven't seen it for a long time. And sometimes when you go back and watch a movie that you really liked from when you were younger, and I wasn't like a little kid or anything, but, you know, I was definitely younger. Mm -hmm. They don't play quite the same, and then you don't quite like them as much. Right. So I was a little afraid I was going to kind of lose the magic of this movie. Right, yeah, sure. But I didn't. I absolutely love this movie still, so much so that I actually cried through some of this a little bit oh you cried during some of this podcast just full disclosure yeah yeah i I keep tearing up and i'm sure it's just because the whole robin williams thing but they're doing that we're doing it right now i'm doing it right now but the the my big complaint is i feel like julia roberts wasn't the right fit for tinkerbell tinkerbell not bill tinkerbell (laughs) Tinkerbell. (laughs) tinkerbell but she wasn't in it so much that it took me completely out of it, and so I kind of give it a pass. Sure. I really wish maybe they would have pulled out that whole getting big and giving you a kiss and proclaiming her love for him. I didn't really like that part, but everything else I love about this. I love that he's become this workaholic, terrible dad. I love his story arc, getting back to being you know this lovable Peter Pan person the lost boys are great you know i like the story with hook too hook and smee oh yeah you know the interactions there Mm -hmm. i I just i love this movie i really love this movie so this is an absolute keep for me fair 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 how about you this is a keep for me but it's a guilty pleasure because i know that this is not the best scripted film that spielberg's ever directed which i mean by and large, that's not my determination for whether or not a film is going to be kept. I just kind of expect a little bit more from Spielberg. That being said, I adore this movie. There's a couple of reasons. First of all, when I first saw this movie, I was a kid. And I was on the cusp of becoming an adult. I was a teenager and I thought to myself, what's, what's next? Where, where am I going from here? Right? Mm-hmm. So I've seen this movie in two different... Or, several different phases of my life the ones that strike me most are when i was a teenager when it was when i was on the other perspective the perspective of the kid and now as an adult as someone who has a kid of his own what strikes me about this movie is that peter does right by his kid by his kids mm-hmm. what strikes me about this movie is that peter's happy thought that brings him back is his kid's birth the memory of his kid's birth, the memory of holding Jack in his hands for the first time. And I can't separate that for me. When I see that, I think of my kid. I think of holding my son for the first time and how special that is to me mm-hmm. and how important that memory is to me. If, if a happy thought made you fly, that would be it for me too. So this movie is a guilty pleasure. It's not the greatest movie ever made. I'm going to say keep... But it's going to be a soft keep because it's a guilty pleasure, not because it's a great flick. 
I would say if you want swashbuckling action, this is your movie. If you want something more serious, this is not your movie. But this is this is a fun, fun movie. It's one of my favorite Spielberg movies. And like I said, guilty pleasure. So definitely keep. And if you're a fan of Robin Williams, this is Robin Williams as Robin Williams, like humor, comedy, just being a goofball. And it's, <laughs> Clean it's, version. It's, it's great. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I, yeah. I didn't even talk about that. Robin Williams was like an uncle to me. Like I don't, I didn't know him, but I felt so close to him. And when he died, it ripped a piece of me out. And I know that that's a little, maybe that's melodramatic. Maybe there's a lot of people out there who'd be like, man, whatever you weirdo. But to me, Robin Williams death really took a lot out of me. I spent a week after he died watching Robin Williams movies and crying, (laughs) you know, I'm not afraid to say it, but. You know. I remember that. You definitely were deeply affected by it. I was. I yep. was. Yep. So what are we doing next? All right. Next week, we're going to kind of shift tones a bit here. And we're going to cover the Netflix movie, All Quiet, on the Western Front. Switch tones. <laughs> that is an understatement. <laughs> yeah. I saw the I saw the original film for this. 20 years ago. I read the book 30 years ago, but I remember liking the original very much, hoping that this will be a good one as well. But yeah, so I'm looking forward to it at least. It's a, it's a, it's an important novel for humanity. And I think it's important that we continue to hear about it. So yeah. All right. right, Well, that's it next week, right here on the couch, all quiet on the Western front until then. Bangarang everyone. Bangarang. You've been listening to A View from the Couch, a Space Moose Media podcast. You can interact with our hosts on Twitter by going to twitter.com forward slash view underscore couch. You can also email us at aviewfromthecouch at yahoo.com. If you've enjoyed this episode, please help us get noticed by leaving a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or the podcast platform of your choice. Thanks for listening.